Acts 3. In the church Bibles, you can find that on page 1094. 1094. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we, we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways.
Um, just to say, we'll just give, uh, just give people a couple of minutes uh, should they uh, want to come back in. Um, and in that time, just let me mention a couple of things. Um, Simon already mentioned the light party. Thanks, Simon. Do take those invites. Well, let me say, I say this every week, but let me say it again. Just do three things with that. Firstly, pray for that, that light party. Really need to pray that um, God would work in this community and that he might do it through that, through that event. Secondly, come along. So even if you, you don't perhaps have small children or it's, it's not the kind of thing that you would normally get involved with, just come along and support it. The, the more, people here from, the, more people from the church that are there, the better. Um, so that'd be great. It's, it's, it's the kind of thing that's in, as encouraging for us as it is for anyone else. So um, get involved. Speak to Megan about what you could perhaps do and help out with. And the third thing is just throw the invitations out. It doesn't matter, um, you know, just anybody and everybody that you know in Camborne or Papworth, just give them out. And, um, you know, God, God is in control of, over who, who will respond to that, who will come to that. So uh, just throw the invitations out as much as you can. Um, that would be great. The second thing is, very simply, there's, there's, a, there's a sermon handout. If you, if you want to follow along the sermon, if you're into taking notes, sermon handout on your tables. And it just has a... a um, uh, a, a space on the back if you want to ask a question that's because we have uh, time afterwards for questions, comments prayer points, that kind of thing, a discussion time so if you want to contribute towards that you might, as, as you go through, you might hear something and, and think, right, I, wanna, I want to say something about that that's going to help everybody else around me so, um, just to make you aware of that, let's just, uh, before we get going let's pray together and ask for God's help Father, we do thank you that, uh, as we've sung this morning, that salvation belongs to you. And we praise you for saving us and revealing yourself to us and showing us what you're like and who you are. And Father, we do pray this morning that as we look at you and look specifically at your Son in your word, that we would see him very clearly for who he is and that we would go to him uh, as the amazing saviour that he is. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we'll just have a look at the pictures on the screen. Don't worry, you have not... Uh, this is not an all-age service. We haven't changed things around suddenly. But just have a look at these pictures and tell me, what, what are they? What do you see? Go on, TJ. Yes, signs. Well done. They are all signs. Now, this next question. What do signs do? What do these kind of signs do? Go on, John. Yeah, they show you uh, where you need to go, don't they? They tell you where you need to go. How to get to the right place. Point the way, as John said. So these signs, how you get to Leeds or Nottingham or uh, Wimpole Hall, if you want to go a bit further south, or um, the toilet, uh, if you want something a bit different. This is often what signs do. They point us to where we want to get to. They point us to the right place. And that is exactly what we see in Acts chapter 3. What we have here is a sign. Now, it's not a flat board with some writing on it, but it's a lame man, as we've just sung about, who is healed. Now, 
verse 43 of chapter 2 tells us that this is a sign. Just have a look down there um, at, uh, uh, sorry, one second. Yeah, we saw this last week, didn't we? So we saw how God's people are living together. Verse 43, have a look down there. Uh, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And what's happening is in chapter 3, we zoom in to just one of these wonders and signs. So we know there were many of them, but Luke records just one of them for us. And what we see is a miraculous healing, so it is a wonder. And as we see Peter explaining this, what's going on, we realise it's also a sign. So it points to something. It points us in the right direction, gets us where we need to go. Not towards a place, but towards a person. And that person is, of course, Jesus Christ. Now, the reason that Luke uh, reports this, the reason that we get this here, I think, is that more and more people would go to Jesus. So after, over the last couple of weeks, we saw how Jesus was proclaimed, and 3,000 people turned to him, and they now have this, they live this life together, but that's not the end of the story. So the big promise that we saw at the beginning of Acts was that Jesus would be witnessed to in Jerusalem, and Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now we're still in Jerusalem, but there are more and more people who need Jesus. So the 3,000 people are not not the only people there. More and more people need him. And so we have this sign that points people to him, that more people would go to him and have new life. Now, you might be thinking at this point, well, uh, what what is there for me? You know, I've gone to Jesus. I have this new life, and that's wonderful. But I, I guess the truth is, that actually even God's people can sometimes find themselves a bit lost. You know, so circumstances in life, they crowd around us, so much so that actually we're not sure where to go or who to turn to. And sometimes, I guess, we don't even realise that that's the case, do we? So in many respects, we're just like children. I, I don't know if you've, you've had the horrific experience of losing a child. If you come to this church regularly, you may have done um, but what happens um, is, as parents, we, we, we panic and we kind of run around desperately and, you know, thinking, oh, no, oh, no, are they okay, are they okay? And then eventually we find the child and they are perfectly okay. They're actually having a whale of a time because, you see, they don't realise that they're lost. They don't even know that they're in the wrong place. And often that's how our lives can be. You see, so as we look at this sign, it points us in the right direction. We always need that, don't we? We need pointing back to Jesus. So what we'll do is we'll, just, we'll, we'll go through this text and we'll, we'll start by looking at the sign itself. The first thing we see here is that it is a miraculous sign. A miraculous sign. That's the first thing we see. A miraculous sign. So Luke brings us to the temple. That's where we're kind of based. And the temple is where the Old Testament people of God would, would, would meet with God. Okay, so they go there to... to that's where, where God dwelt. They go there. 
to meet him. And as Peter and John go up, we focus in on this man who is lame from birth. Now, he's never been able to walk, so what's he doing? He's, he's begging for money. So just follow this story from verse 1. It says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate, called Beautiful. That's the name of the gate, not the, 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 the person. Where he would put, who was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Now, you see, here is a guy who's in a desperate situation. He cannot walk, so he has to be carried to the temple. He has nothing, and his, his great hope is that God's people would take pity on him that they would give money, in giving money to the poor, they would give some to him. And that is clearly what he thinks he most needs, money. But you see, Peter knows that he has a much deeper need. Have a look at verse 6. Peter says, well, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. See, Jesus is what this man really needs. Uh, just as an aside, that's helpful for us, isn't it? That, I guess whatever our circumstances, actually that's what we always need. We always need Jesus more than anything else. And Peter knows this, and so Jesus is what the man receives. And this, the result is a miraculous healing. Verse 7, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. You see, the man is not, he's not just a bit better. He's, it's not like he, he's been given some kind of um, you know, medical treatment and put on a a program that will gradually kind of get him back up to full strength. You see these people uh, who, who, who go through these things, don't you? It's, it's not like that. He is jumping around. Literally, we have a lame man leaping. He is full of joy. He's praising God. And then he goes into the temple. And as he goes into the temple, a bunch of people recognise him and they are amazed at what they see. Have a look at verse 9. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognised him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And I guess you would be, wouldn't you? You know, if you saw the same guy in the same place every day with the same condition, not being able to move, and suddenly he's, he's leaping around, you would be amazed. You know, this is nothing short of a miracle. But here's the thing, the miracle is not the end in itself. Actually, this sign is pointing to something much, much bigger. You see, what has happened here was was promised in the Old Testament. Just have a look at these words from Isaiah 35. This is is a promise. Uh, It says, your God will come, he will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, then will the lame leap like a deer. And that is exactly the same word that's used here in Acts 3. So this man is literally leaping. 
You have a lame man leaping, which means that this promise is coming about. God has come. Salvation has come. Now, of course, we know that. So in Jesus Christ, salvation has come. And in this man, salvation has come. That's what this miracle is pointing to. It's a miraculous sign. I guess it's a bit like this. Uh, sadly, this was it's in the news this week for all the wrong reasons. Um, but uh, I hope you don't mind me using it for a different reason. And that is the fact that it's a very impressive sign. Um, so it's not, it's not quite like uh, this one, is it? Um, as, you, as you drive in, there's nothing to shout about this one. Actually, as you see this sign, you think, wow, isn't this amazing? You know, it's a fairly flashy sign. But we know, don't we, as we see this sign, actually it points to something that is much, much more impressive. You're not supposed to just see the sign and say, wow, what an amazing sign. Like, there's something beyond that. And that's what we have here. It's miraculous, but it's a miraculous sign. Now, interestingly, we know that from the text. And we can see that Peter gives this man Jesus. We, we've heard that conversation. But the people here, they don't realise this. So they haven't seen the interaction between Peter and the man. And interestingly, they don't see the man leaping. Just, did you notice that? Verse 8, just have a look at verse 8. He jumped to his feet and he began to walk. Then he went through the temple courts, walking, jumping, sorry, walking and jumping or leaping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God. You see, they don't see a man leaping. I, I think that is significant. They don't see salvation as it was in Isaiah 35. They don't see that. Which is interesting because they're in the temple. These people are God's people. They're Jewish people. They know their Old Testaments and yet they don't realise at this point that salvation has come. Now I guess before we move on, that, that's a challenge to us, isn't it? Because, you know, I, I guess, look, we can come to church and we can live our Christian lives and we can be amazed at so many things, what people do, or what we do, and we just don't see the bigger picture. So often we, we can focus on, the, on, on the, the thing in front of us and not ever lift our eyes to the God that is behind it. Now that's certainly true for, for the, these people here. And so what happens is Peter then explains to them that the miracle they have seen is a sign that's... <clears throat> pointing to something even beyond salvation, actually it points to a saviour. And what we see is we have an amazing saviour. That's the second thing we see, an amazing saviour. <clears throat> an amazing saviour. So having seen what's happened, the people in the temple, they run over to the apostles, at which point Peter rebukes them. Just uh, read with me from verse 11. While the man held on to Peter... And John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by your own power or godliness we had made this man walk? Now, of course, Peter is not expecting these people to answer these questions. He's saying, look, we didn't do this. 
You shouldn't be surprised by this. Salvation has come. That was promised. Jesus has come. Now these people, they know this. They've seen Jesus, but they didn't realise who Jesus was. So Peter tells them very clearly from verse 13. He says, The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this. So do you see what he's saying? He's saying, look, you disowned Jesus, you rejected him, but the man that you rejected was no ordinary man. That's what they thought. That he was just an ordinary man claiming to be a somebody. And they say, no, no, look, he is God's servant. He's the one through whom God now works. He's the holy and righteous one. He's perfect in every way. He's the author of life. So he made and he sustains all things. And he's the risen king. And we've seen him. You see, he's saying that that Jesus is not ordinary. He's not just some joker making outrageous claims as they thought. No, he's totally amazing. And he is the saviour of this lame beggar. Verse 16. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. See, Jesus is the one who's done this. He's healed the man. He's caused him to walk. But more than that, he's saved him. Do you see that? He's completely healed him. This is not just physical. It's a complete healing, and it's been done by faith in Jesus. Now, we know, don't we, from from Acts chapter 2 and from the rest of the New Testament, that to have faith in Jesus means you have your sins forgiven and you receive the Holy Spirit. That's what happens. So he's not just a physical healing... This guy's just been saved. And Jesus has done it. He's not an ordinary man. He's not just an amazing healer. No, he's an amazing saviour. Which means the, the sign points to him, ultimately. It tells us that this Jesus is an amazing saviour. I guess it's a, bit, uh, it's a bit like this kind of sign. So not one that gives you directions, but a, but a, a signature or a signature. Um, I don't know if you're into art at all. Uh, I'm not. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I guess you could be easily amazed at the, the, um, the painting. And you look at it and you think, wow, what an amazing painting. But actually, when you see the signature here of Picasso you realise actually it's the work of an amazing artist who does more than just this particular piece. It's the same here, you know, we we look at this lame man leaping, but it tells us 
that this is not a one-off event. It's not, it's not a, it, it, this, is, this is not just a miracle. It points to an amazing saviour. And the encouragement for us at this point is that that is true. That is who Jesus is, whatever people think of him. So Peter is accusing the people here. He's saying, you've disowned him. You, you've tried to get rid of Jesus. And yet they couldn't change who he was. They couldn't stop this man. They couldn't stop him and death couldn't hold him. He is the saviour, whether they like it or not. No matter what they did to him, very much unlike Picasso, Jesus is still at work. <clears throat> yeah, no one can ever change that. No matter how much people today deny or reject Jesus, he just is God's servant. He is the holy and righteous one. He has risen from the dead. No one can ever stop his gospel. And of course, that is an encouragement for us, isn't it? For us here, as we, as we you know, we seem so small in, in such a big community who, who, let's face it, they deny him. They want to reject him. But we have the truth and we cannot stop, they cannot stop his gospel spreading. Now more than that, you know, if Jesus really is this amazing saviour, it means that all people, including us, need to follow the signs and go to him. And that's the last thing we see this morning, that we must go to Jesus. We must go to Jesus. Last thing we see this morning, we must go to Jesus. So even though people have disowned Jesus, the fact that he's an amazing saviour means they can still go to him for salvation. And Peter begins to tell them this by recognising that what they did was a mistake on their part, but not on God's. It was totally deliberate. Have a look at verse 17. Peter carries on his speech. He says, Now, fellow Israelites, I know you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that this Messiah would suffer. You see, they killed Jesus because they didn't know who he was. But this is exactly what was meant to happen. In fact, all the prophets, the, the voice throughout the whole of the Old Testament was one big sign pointing to the fact, well, pointing to Jesus and the fact that he was going to suffer and die. And that's where they see most clearly that Jesus is an amazing saviour, when you see him hanging on a cross. And even for people who have rejected him, that means he can still be their saviour. So what does Peter do? Well, verse 19, he tells them, do you see what he tells them there to do, verse 19? He says, repent. Go to Jesus. Look at the signs. Even be amazed at the signs, but then follow them. Go to the saviour they point to. And as we do so, what happens? Well, we have promised restoration. And we see this throughout the, the rest of this passage. Promise restoration. Have a look at verse 19. He says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Uh, 
Now, the refreshing he, he talks about, that, that's, well, you don't see that anywhere else in the New Testament. Um, and I, I think it's actually it's a bit like that kind of feeling. I don't know if you've ever done this, but you, know, you, you go, uh, uh, maybe only kind of haggard and tired parents will get this, but you go away for a weekend, a rack, raxing spa weekend or something, and you just have this sense of relief from all that weighs you down. You know, that's what he's talking about here, but it's on a much, much bigger scale. It's the fact that Jesus gives you a whole new life. You know, that's what was secured at the cross. So Jesus dies on the cross, he takes the sin of man, and he gives us his perfect life. And so as we come to him at the cross, we find our sin is taken, our sin is forgiven. Yeah, the weight of sin on us is taken off, off us. And we're given this new, perfect life with God. And I guess in times now, that's real to us. And it refreshes us, you know, it relieves us. Now, if you've never had that, if, you, if, you, if you're just weighed down by, by everything, by, by, by your sin, then turn to Jesus. Repent. Look at what he's done for you on the cross. You know, be refreshed by that. You know, there's nothing bigger in this world than us being right with God. It's, it's, it's an incredible thing. And when it sinks in, you really do have this time of refreshing, this time of relief. Now, that, I don't think that means then that this life will then just be easy for us at all or perfect, but one day there will be a greater and total restoration when Jesus is sent again. You see there, verse 20. That he may, so you repent, that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. So you see, when Jesus, you now wait for a king to return, and when Jesus returns, God will restore everything in a new creation. And at that point, everything will be the way that it was supposed to be, the way it was in the beginning. So there'll be no more suffering. There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more death. Just restored life. And ultimately, I, I, that is what this beggar points us to, I think. So his restoration... You know, him being lame and then kind of leaping points us to the greater restoration that Jesus will bring about. I guess it's a bit like, you know, you see the, the sign for Wimpole, you get an idea of what you're going to. You, you know it's a National Trust place, you know it's kind of, there's a leaf there, you get some idea, but when you get there, actually the reality is so much greater. Or the sign for Las Vegas, it looks impressive, doesn't it? But actually... You know, the place itself is so much bigger, better than the sign you've seen. Well, when Jesus returns, there will be total restoration for all his people, no matter what they're going through, no matter what they suffer with. You know, it, it may not be that we, we can't walk 
whatever it is, you'll be restored. And all God's people will be leaping and praising God even more than this man here. And of course, you know, that is because in a restored creation, it's all about Jesus. We'll be with him. You know, it, it, it is life for eternity with the author of life. I guess in that respect, that the sign is not like the Picasso. It, 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 it doesn't just tell us about someone, it takes us to someone. It doesn't just take us to a better place like Las Vegas, it takes us to the author of life himself. Now I guess what's really important at this point is that we, we hold on to the future certainty of the physical aspect of this. Okay, so when we come to Jesus, we, there, there is a certain spiritual restoration for us now. That, that is promised for anyone who repents. You have new life in Jesus. But the physical restoration, the kind that we see here with the beggar, is only promised in the new creation. Okay, so you have new life now, but that does not mean that we can ever guarantee healing now. Now that may happen. I don't want to say that it can't. I don't, I don't want to stand up here and say that Jesus cannot heal. I don't, I, don't, I don't think that's right. But it's only ever promised when he, is, when, when, he, when he returns. And so, of course, before that day, we must keep going to him. Specifically, we must listen to him. Just have a look at verse 22. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, and from among your own people you must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. So what he's saying is, look, Jesus is the new Moses. Just, just like Moses led God's people out of slavery and into a promised land, so Jesus now saves people from their sin, frees people from their sin, and takes them to a new creation. And only he can do that. And so the people here must listen to him. They must listen to the prophet like Moses. They must listen to Jesus. And if they continue to reject him, actually they'll be cut off from the promises of God. So they must go to him. They must go to Jesus. And actually, not just them, but all of us. The promises here are for everyone. Have a look at verse 24. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days, and you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. So remember, he's speaking to the Jewish people here, and the Jewish people have come from the same line of prophets that were pointing to Jesus. God made promises directly to the Jewish people, and the people hearing this should then be receiving this, this blessing and restoration. But, of course, they should be doing that by going to Jesus. He is the offspring of Abraham. Okay, Jesus is the offspring of Abraham. And so it's through him that those blessings will come to the Jewish people. But it's also through him, verse 25, that they come to all people. That's good news, isn't it? 
Now, before we get there, because of their special position, Peter emphasises the need for those Jewish people to do something. Just verse 26, he says, When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you, to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. So he's saying, look, Jesus has come to you. I, I want you to hear this and turn to him. Now, up until this point, they haven't done that. They haven't listened to Jesus. In fact, they didn't listen to the, 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 the bunch of Old Testament prophets. But now he's saying, you must do something about it. Now I've explained it to you. Now, we're not actually told here at the end of chapter 3 whether they do that. Next week, we'll, we'll, we'll find out what happens. But we're kind of left with this question. Well, what do they do? We don't really know. But you see, our question is not really concerning what they do, is it? You know, if the promise is available to all people through Jesus, then the question is, what will we do? Now, for the people here, this is huge. Okay, This, this is a massive shift in their thinking. So up until this point, the temple has been their, that's been the focus of their religion. That's where they go to meet God. Uh, yeah, that's what defines them. And now, it's, it's as if they're saying, well, the building doesn't really matter. It's Jesus they've got to go to. Someone they thought was a nobody, calling himself a somebody. It's a massive shift in their thinking. And I just want to say, actually, that might be the case for you. So you, have, you may have spent your whole life coming to church or being a good person, but disowning Jesus. And I just want to say, if, if you can now see who he is and the amazing saviour that he is, I would encourage you to go to him. He forgives your sin. He, he gives you new life. Speak to the person who invited you here. Yeah, and, and I just want to say to you that without Jesus, you will never find what you really long for. You will always be weighed down. For many of us here, though, I, I guess we have put our trust in Jesus. And we, we, we are in this amazingly privileged position now, don't we? So we, we have the whole of Acts 3, the whole of Acts, in fact, that, and we can clearly see that the miracle is a sign that points us to Jesus. We can very clearly see that. We have the whole of the New Testament. So we can clearly see that the whole of the Old Testament points us to Jesus. You know, we can see the signs. They're all there. I, I don't think our struggle is that we haven't been able to quite work those things out. I, I, I think the, the, the challenge for us is that whilst we're told to listen to Jesus, actually we're surrounded by so many different voices. You know, our work our media, our culture, they all speak to us, don't they? They send us messages that contradict the voice of Jesus. And messages that can seem so much louder than the voice of Jesus. And so it pulls us in all kinds of different directions. I think that's why even as Christians, we can so easily become lost. And so we must keep listening to him. Keep listening to Jesus. 
Because only he's going to fully restore us. Only he's going to give us all that we hope for. Only he will refresh us. I promise you, times of refreshing come as we turn to him. Only Jesus will save us. So we need to listen to him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that Jesus is an amazing saviour who gives us new life, who refreshes us, and who restores us fully. Thank you, Father, that one day we will know that restoration, that we will be with the author of life and we will know no more suffering or pain or crying or mourning or death. We, we praise you for that. And so we pray now, Father, that you would help us as individuals and as a church to keep listening to him. Amen. Okay, so we have a couple of minutes now where you can uh, discuss what we've heard and then we, we, we kind of open that up. We open up this, this you know, conversation and you can chip things in that you think might be helpful for other people to, to hear. Um, and if, if that frightens the life out of you, don't worry. You can, you can, you can go and get a drink or like Christoph, you can just leave the room. See you, Christoph. Um, um, that's fine. <laughs> Not a problem. Or if you'd really like to discuss this with people around you, d- you might want to move tables. Um, whatever, whatever you want to do, and then we'll just we'll just have a have a wider conversation in a couple of minutes. Uh, were you laughing because I burped again? No, no, no. Yeah. What's happening with Jesus? Well, not Jesus. Yeah. Walk with. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll sort something out. Yeah.